thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren. I am back from a cruise, and of course, I am slightly sick, so forgive my voice on this intro. Luckily, we are about to hear in this episode was pre-cruise, so I'm still sounding pretty good. And we talked about success mindset. We recommended a bunch of books. Clint obviously goes very deep into mindset, so he had a ton of tactical things you can do. I gave some of my feedback as well, and Tom added some stories. We had a lot of speakers from the audience as well as questions, so I hope you enjoy this one, and and really, I know you will. All right. Hey, everybody. It is Wealth Wednesday. It is 9 o'clock, actually 9.04 Eastern. We are here live on Twitter almost every Wednesday, and tonight we have myself. I'm Lauren. I'm at Adulting is Easy. I am a real estate investor and an index fund investor based in Tampa Bay, Florida. This will be on the Adulting is Easy podcast feed in a couple of days. If you cannot stay for the whole thing, we normally go for about 90 minutes or so. Tom, how about you go next? Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Brickman. I am 39, living in Dallas, Texas. I have 21 rental doors, um, 14 in Ohio, 7 in Dallas. I recently left my nine to five and I am, I own a resale business called Cheap Cheap Closeout and I run the frugalgay.com. Clint, you want to go? Sure, you bet. Hi, everyone. I am Clint B, CFO in real estate by day. In the evenings, I host the Pursuit of Learning podcast. I invest in real estate, do a fair bit of writing, mostly on Twitter, but also writing a fantasy novel series, and have two young boys. That's me in a nutshell. Back to you, Warren. Yeah, I love your pictures that you post every year. Those are those are so great. So tonight we're going to be discussing kind of success mindset, but it's going to be a lot of like ask me anything, Q, tell us your stories, ask us your questions. So make sure to make use of that mic button, the request button in the bottom left. Also make use of your DMs. Um, I know my DMs are open. I think Tom's are probably open too. If you have any questions, Clint, maybe yours are too. But now that you have like almost 150,000 followers, I could understand if they weren't. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we'll go for about 90 minutes. Again, this is going to be recorded. So for a success mindset, I thought maybe I would kick us off and get everybody's kind of reaction to some of the things that I do to kind of be successful and that I keep in mind. And I've been reading at the recommendation of Clint, this book called Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy. And it has, for me, really validated some of the things I already do and made me kind of more committed to those. And um, so I'll just go over my list and there's, there's a couple things there, but one of them is like allow imperfections. And so this is something that I think is important. And I was reading about this today and it really stuck with me where you can feel good of just moving the needle a bit, right? If you are, if you have grown more this week than you did last week, that is a good thing. And you don't have to be perfect at everything you do. Just just move the needle a little bit. And this is something that we hear a lot about from entrepreneurs, right? Or like I have a podcast and things like that. It's like kind of just get started. Know that you're learning, you're moving the needle and not everything has to be, has to be perfect. Um, another one for me is I focus on the things I can control. And this is a little bit, I think, from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If I'm seeing with the book theme, but 
So for me, that means, let's say I want to grow on Twitter. I'm going to focus on the number of tweets versus the number of impressions, right? I can control how often I tweet. I can't control how much it's seen by the algorithm or how much, much people are interacting with it or retweeting it, right? Or another example is I can focus on the number of podcasts I'm going to post. I post four interviews a month and then four of these spaces or so a month. I can focus on that versus what I can focus on downloads. I can't really have a downloads goal, but I can have a content creation goal. So I kind of focus on the things I can't control and I fall in love with doing those things and I get a lot of satisfaction when I complete those things. On the other side though, I make to-do lists on Thursday or Friday for the following week. So I haven't made mine for next week yet, but they're always going to be very doable. I make them for Monday through Friday and I make it so that they could all be done by Thursday. That allows me some wiggle room. If I have a day, let's say a lot of times it's Tuesday. For some reason, I wake up on Tuesday. Don't really feel like doing anything. And I will give myself a break on Tuesday knowing I have Friday to catch up because my to-do list only goes from Monday to Thursday. Another thing is from Atomic Habits. Again, sticking with books, lots of book recommendations here. But I make consistency part of my identity. So every day... I wake up or I go to bed and I know I am a consistent person and consistency is something that I do. And I think that this is something where it's okay to make it part of my identity because it's not making me perfect. I'm just a consistent person, right? And I make everything very doable with my, my very doable to-do lists. And also part of that is I set boundaries as well. So with allowing my, this wiggle room of Fridays, I also do this thing where I set boundaries, right? So, for example, Tuesday and Thursday nights, I play volleyball. I don't schedule anything for those nights, right? People are like, hey, can you record a podcast those nights? The answer is no. Can I do coaching? The answer is no, right? So I've kind of cordoned off, especially Tuesdays. Sometimes I will take a coaching session on Thursday if I know I'm going to make volleyball on Tuesdays, right? But I have my boundaries and things like that, too. So just to summarize... I allow imperfections. I focus on the things I can control. I set boundaries. I make a to-do list every week and I make consistency part of my identity. How was that, Clint? I love that list. And you described it as things that you do to be successful. I would also say that these are things that, not surprisingly, people who we see as lucky uh, do. And... Yes, sure, there's an element of luck to being a luck person, but also an element of doing all of the things that you're listing, Lauren. And pretty much everything you listed on your list, not surprisingly, is also on mine. So what I'll do is I'll add some of mine, and then we'll make it even harder on Tom, because I know he's doing the things we're doing, and so he'll have to really go deep on uh, his share. So... On my list, I've pinned something up in the uh, nest that talks about my values and kind of why my account's here. And it, it talks about some of the things that I believe in and do. And you listed some of them. So one of them is, is be better every single day. Try to be better mentally, emotionally, physical, physically, spiritually, and financially. And if you can improve in all of those areas every day, then you're going to succeed in life. Another one is be kind. And the way I think all three of us tend to approach that and we get feedback on it is to approach life with an abundant mindset. So be willing to give, 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 give without a need for receiving back. And funnily enough, you, you do receive back because that's the way the universe 
tends to work is that when you give up yourself with no expectation, you receive back. So that is part of being kind is, is really putting yourself in situations with an abundant mindset to help other people, to add value to other people's lives and to give of the knowledge or the skills that you have uh, with no expectation of reciprocity. So that's be kind, better we listed. And then I think one of the, one of the big ones is own your shit and do the work. Those will, those will be the two I'll, I dive into. Do the work is, is pretty basic. You talked about consistency. That's a big part of it. You have to show up every day. Stop planning. Stop waiting for life to be perfect for that exact right moment. Stop reading all the books and thinking, well, I need a plan. I need to read. I need to do this. And just start. Take action. Do the work. Show up every day. Be consistent. Get it done. So that's a big one. And I, and I think like you, it's make the list. Know what you need to do. You have a podcast episode. You're talking to someone who wrote a book. Read their book. It, it has to happen. So when people say, well, how do, you, how do you make time for reading? Well, it's not optional. That's what's on the docket. So you get it done. So that's do the work. And then own your shit is a, a lot of times today, society tends to be talking to people in a way where it feels like we're really reinforcing the concept of a victim's mindset. And absolutely acknowledge people have been through hard things. Everyone's had their own challenges in life they've dealt with. Some people's challenges are much harder than others. And once you get that out of the way, you start to look at it and say, okay, I can make a choice because life comes down to our choices. We are the sum of our choices. So you look at it and say, okay, take out of the way everything that's happened to me. What choices am I going to make today to affect who I am tomorrow? And owning your shit and recognizing that no matter what's happened, no matter what your past has been, you can change your future. That I think more than anything is going to determine your level of success in life. And of course, I recognize that I'm a middle-aged white male who's moderately wealthy and not everyone's in that exact same boat. So that's a big part of we don't all start in the same spot. We don't all have the same challenges. We don't all have the same roadblocks. And we can all own our own life to the extent that we can. So that's going to look different for everybody. And I know I face a lot less challenges than my sons will, than my wife does. Uh, and I still teach each of them that that's how they can and should live their life. And I'm, I'm seeing them do it even as an 11 year old and a 14 year old and seeing how they're applying it to sports school and life. And I'm excited to see what their futures bring for them and, and how it works for them because they're learning these lessons very young Lauren. I'll pass it back to you, uh, adding to your list, own your shit and do the work. Yeah, I love that. And I think you made a really good distinction there between being consistent and actually doing the work. And I think that that you're right. That is so key. Like 
showing up every day. And you're, of course, I was relating to you incredibly when you're like, hey, if you got to read a book for your podcast, you're going to read a book, you're going to get it done by the time you need to record. And that's just how it is. And you're going to pound that out and grind that out if you need to. All right, Tom, you are up. It's tough to go after Clint, so I'm just going to share two stories. Um, but they're part of my MO. And, and one story took place last week, and, and this is just sort of how I operate. I have a coaching client who closed on his first property. Um, he wanted to meet in person. I went up there and met in person. And I spent two days just helping him get his systems in place. I helped him clean out the closets. I helped him clean out the attic. I just kind of, you know we ran to Lowe's three times to get light bulbs and we got his and he feels a whole lot better. Cause we're already looking for, for door number two for him. And I would want that if I were in his same position where this is rental property. Number one, this is a very large investment for him. And this is something completely foreign to him. So I really try and practice what I preach and lead by example and, and going, you know, there was a point where he's like, can't we just pay someone to empty out this attic? I'm like, well, we're here and we have hands and we're waiting for the gas company to come anyway. Let's just start cleaning this out. Let's fill up garbage bags. Let's take it outside and let's just do it. So I don't like to give projects to any of my, my team or my property managers that I wouldn't do myself. And that's one of the ways that I feel that um, I've shifted my mindset. The second story I wanted to share was today, I, I have days where I go and I walk on the treadmill and then I have days where I go and I run and I run hard and I'm sweaty and it's disgusting. And today was one of those days where I had a fantastic breakfast. I got to the gym, I am running hard and I'm almost at the end of my, my two hour. And when I say running, I, I really need to say fast walking because that's really what I'm doing, but I'm running hard, I'm sweating and um, there's a girl next to me, uh, who, who I see every single day. I've seen her for the past three or four months and always super friendly, always super cheerful. And, um, she's out there with the, the Swiffer today, um, like two treadmills down from me and she is losing her shit. She is, she, she's staring at her phone. She's crying. And I, I know that I just want to keep running and, and not hone in, but, I felt that it was the wrong thing to do to just ignore that she's losing her shit. So I slowed down the treadmill and I just had a conversation and, and, and as the conversation progressed, she's sobbing. She had just been written up because she had headphones in. She's going to walk out on the job. She doesn't like it. She just, and, and I had one of my general manager speeches from when I was a general manager at the theater with her. And I'm like, like you're giving them ammo because they just wrote you up for having your headphones in and girl, you got your headphone in right now. So the first thing I'm going to do is stop giving them reasons to write you up. They're not going to be thankful. And then I kind of, you know, after the 20 minutes after standing there and I, I was running fast cause I had to go record a, a podcast today. I spent that 20 minutes with her, had that conversation with her, calmed her down, got her back to breathing. I, I basically finished it and she agreed that she needs to tuck in a row before she walks out and walking out isn't going to solve anything. It's going to put her in a, a more financially stressful situation. And I'm glad that I spent that, that 20 minutes with her. And I hope that when I go into the gym tomorrow morning, I'm going to see her back there and it's going to be a fresh set of eyes. And that's why I felt at that moment, it was important for me to spend that 20 minutes, just having a conversation with her, 
letting her know I hear her, letting her know I've been there, letting her know it will get better and it's gotten better and it's a bad day. And if you act emotionally, which I have before, where I've had these awful days, I've regretted it the next day when I've walked out or I've quit or I've, you know, last week I was talking about that that incident I had in front of my property and I was ready to sell the property. And then I woke up with a fresh set of eyes the next day and I am going hard on that property. They are over there putting up lighting today. I got a whole bunch of tree tree work done over there today. So I think that is another way that I set because a lot of times I want to act emotional and I want to, you know, I want to encourage her to walk out and do what she wants. But at the same time, I took a step back. I listened to her, which I think was the biggest thing with her is that she just works. And I do, I go into this gym every day. I see her working every time I come in and my thoughts are, I don't care that you have headphones in. She's dusting, she's cleaning, she's friendly. She's greeting me, but obviously it's been an issue for the management there. So where I'm going with these two different stories is I think that putting yourself in someone else's shoes is an, an important part of um, shifting your wealth mindset, being able to do. And that was the thing when I always worked at the theater, I would never ask an usher to go do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I'm telling you, you no one wanted to go clean restrooms and every other shift I was in there doing it with an usher or, or getting them to, you know, cause when they see me go in there with a broom, they're going to come back and they're going to, you know, help me out and we're going to clean it and we're just going to do it. So I think that a big part of my success as well in building my team is that I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not going to do. Nothing is, is, is beneath me. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, if I need to haul out trash for a couple hours, then I'm going to haul out trash and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep going. And I think that's important when you curate your team around you. If they see you doing what you say you do, they're going to follow along. They're going to be on board and it's going to get you a whole lot farther. So those are my two stories. Um, thank you for, for letting me speak. I'll turn it back to you, Lauren. Tom, that's amazing. And that goes back to what Clint said a little bit, right? Like, be kind. You can't get those 20 minutes back, but it will come back in some ways, right? And that's just how the universe works. And it's interesting because you really, but you, in order for it to come back to you in a positive way, I feel like you have to be completely authentic in that moment. You can't be like, I'm going to do nice stuff for this girl so that it comes back to me in karma. And that's, that's just not, that's just not how it works. And your story last mm -hmm. week about the client that you're helping and how your client was actually on here. Pretty cool. Um, so I just, I'm glad that you brought that back up and I'm glad you're doing the coaching and I'm glad you're helping people because I know the world is a better place for it. Does anybody else have any re reactions to what Clint or Tom or myself have said so far? Any questions, any comments or any personal stories, please request that speaker button or send us a DM as well. I'll, I'll go ahead and share one more story if that's okay, Lauren. Yeah, of course. Um, so on, on a day that I have a tweet that hits, I'll get 40 to 60 DMs and I really do spend a half hour to an hour trying to respond. And, and there was one, it was really frustrating. Um, they are about to get a, a, a property under contract and they sent me this like laundry list of, of 40 different questions. 
And I wanted to just pretend I didn't see the DM, but I sat there and I typed out the answers because the last thing I want is that impression to, you know, he can see that I saw the tweet or the, the, the message. So it was worth it to me to sit there for 10 minutes and just type out responses for him. They were all, you know, genuine questions that he wants to ask the inspector, genuine questions that he wants to ask the owner that he's buying because he's buying a property with tenants in it. And, and that's what it takes sometimes. And that's, you know, I'm piggybacking off of what Clint said earlier is sometimes you just need to give and give and give and expect nothing back. And that's really how I look at that. Uh, Lawrence, you got your hand up. Yeah, thank you. So uh, just picking back off of like all of, all three of you all's feedback, you know, it's like a recurring theme of adding value to people and um, just adding value to people is, is, is really priceless. And just, you know, taking the time to either listen to a, you know, recently written up employee or someone who is a novice real estate investor, they may have questions. Um, I just ran into that situation um where um my posts about me buying my third property went viral on like big, bigger pockets like four thousand likes and like 600 comments and i was like there is no way like you know i'm gonna be able to take to take the time to like thank these people and people were like coming in my dms and i said you know what someone took the time to read the post they resonated with it some way. They were either expired, you know, motivated or, or whatsoever. And they took time out of their day to appreciate me. Now, I'm one person. So it took about two weeks for me to respond to like over like 600, like, you know, comments saying thank you. And, and I still have a few DMs that I'm trying to get back to. But you never know with that reply I made do for a person on the receiving end. And I think that's why most people who are wealthy, um, you know, they, they it, it's kind of like you put what you want into the universe and I'm a giver. So, you know, if you are giving out information, it's going to come back full circle, um, especially if you are giving out something, not expecting something in return. You know, like, I don't know these people, these, you know, 600 people, these 4,000 people that uh, like a photo, but they, 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 they were expired some way. So I wanted to, you know, do my due diligence um, to be able to, to um, respond to them. I mean, the reason why I'm actually, I, the reason why I actually tune into Wealth Wednesday is because of the frugal gay, because I resonated with a, a, a tweet that he put out. I'm a novice real estate investor, so I have three doors now. And he took the time to communicate with me um, and even retweeted me before. And I'm like, wow, like I'm just this, you know, quote unquote, you know, novice person. And he's poured value into me. And, and you know, I'm thankful that I'm a part of, you know, coming to this community and being able to add value where I can. So I think to sum everything up, you know, the, the great 
people out there in the world, they add value to people. They don't look as though they are going to be the only success story. And I always tell people who tell me I want to be like you. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me because if I'm adding value to you and I'm telling you my journey of my successes and my and my failures, then you should be better better than me and then you should pay it forward and help the next person. I love that, Lawrence. And it's been really cool to kind of see your story unfold and see you grow. And I'm so glad that other people are taking notice and that they are seeing themselves in you and that they're feeling confident enough to ask you questions. I think that's a big part of things on Twitter, but probably in life is getting up the gumption to ask somebody, you know, say something to somebody. And it's like, I don't know. I remember even a year ago where I thought people with like 15,000 followers were like, like, holy cow, you know, and I had like 4,000 or something, right? And now I'm in that realm and I'm like, okay, I'm still 100% the exact same person I was a year ago and I'm still as willing to help and I'm still as willing to have conversations and things like that. So that's what I'm hearing as, as you're talking. Um, Clint, do we have you back yet? Lawrence, that was a wonderful share. Love seeing your growth and how you're doing this and chatting with you in the DMs. Although I think we were chatting on Instagram, not on Twitter. And for the people that are listening, I really want to reinforce tonight's Q&A night. So the idea is that you can all have the opportunity to ask us anything. Tom, Lauren, and I have all been fortunate to achieve a certain level of wealth in our lives, whether that's through real estate, whether it's in our career, whether it's with family. So if anyone has any questions, any thoughts, they want to come up and pick our brains, please do that. Put up your hand, come up, grab the mic. Also, share the room tonight because when we have AMA, the more people that we have in here, the more questions we get, the more we can provide value to you as the listeners, and we can make it an interactive conversation. So, Sherry, put your hand up. Let's have a great conversation tonight. Lauren, back to you. Thank you. And Clinton, Tom, I am sending you co-host invites. Um, there's a pretty bad storm here right now, and if I drop, I want to be able to continue with some co-host action. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, and good point, Clint. And everybody, hey, questions, stories, things like that, we don't have, other than what we've talked about, right, it's been about 30 minutes, we wanted to share, again, kind of our top tips for success. So that's focusing on the things you can control being consistent, using to-do lists, setting boundaries, allowing for imperfections, being better, being kind, owning your shit, doing the work, helping your clients, helping other people with no expectation of anything in return. And those are kind of the big things that we've talked about so far. If you have something to add, you have questions about that. If you're curious about book recommendations, I have a couple. I'm sure Clint has some and maybe Tom does too. And also, this is a side note, haven't brought it up yet. Yet, if FinCon three weeks, please let me and Tom know because we're we're trying to fill up our calendars and we're doing some joint planning. So let us know that too. We're getting pretty excited for that. Do, 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 do. I, I can I can share an exciting development that's happening in Team Murphy, Lauren, that I might not have. Yeah, heard. let's hear it. So about three or four weeks ago, we were on a family train Washington I think you may have remembered when I posted the steak dinner and I said to my wife on that trip I think you should retire 
And by, by retire, I mean more like Serena Williams. She should evolve and be a bit more involved in some of the things that I'm pursuing in life and that she's talked about wanting to do with me in the future. But I'm saying, I, my thought was, you should start now and that will facilitate my eventual retirement as well. And then we can pursue business together uh, in the vision that we've had for the last four or five years. And so she's been thinking about it. And before we went on vacation, she talked to her boss and said what she was intending. Her boss was very supportive. So it looks like over the next eight weeks, she will uh, finish working for other people. And she will start working on some of the projects that I've had on the back burner that I've been thinking about uh, helping me on Twitter, because like you said, the amount of, of work and effort and time, it's become a bit exponential. And I'm, uh, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times in the last few spaces, certain level of burnout. And so she is in the spot where we're fortunate enough that she can stop working. It won't affect our family life. It won't affect our finances. Well, sorry, it will affect our uh, family life. It will be so much uh, better for having her have that time and capacity. And so financially it won't be negative. And uh, super excited that we've reached this stage in life, which is one step closer to us being financially independent and, and, and pursuing our own life goals and dreams. So um, it's what we talk about every week. It's the path we're all on and taking one step closer to it feels really good. And so that's the type of thing that I think Tom's already achieved. You're there, but you're, you're working for fun. Uh, but uh, all of us want, want to talk about with people we can help them on their journey to achieve the same thing uh, as opposed to working till they're 70. Back to you. Yeah, Clint, congrats. I'm glad like you're, you're sharing that out in the world and that you guys have made that, that decision. I am super stoked for you. And um, my husband and I still have full-time jobs right now, but one of us will be heading out of that realm shortly. I think we'll have to rock, paper, scissors, but I think he's going to out-earn me this year for the first time. So I think it might be me actually coming up here in a little bit. So huge congrats, Clint. Can't wait to kind of follow your guys' path. Um, anybody else have any comments, questions, stories? Has anybody recently transitioned to an abundance mindset from a scarcity mindset? One of the biggest Probably one of the biggest keys to my relative success in the last couple of years has been related to, to that mindset shift in and of itself. And for those that don't know, the wonderful young man that's jumped up on here, Peter, is uh, a friend in, in real life. And welcome to the stage, Peter. I love seeing you in here, brother. And, and look forward to seeing what you have to say about it. Thanks, Clint, and hello, everyone. I know Clint in real life in Vancouver, Canada, and I just heard Clint's news here about inviting his wife into an early retirement to come join him on his journey towards wealth, abundance, and I'm piping up here because I'm so excited by that news. Uh, sincerely, genuinely, Clint. And what it really brought to mind for me is how 
a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Clint, when you were starting your your journey as a coach, um, just a seed in your mind, really, and starting your journey on Twitter. I remember when you had 500 followers, Clint, and just start starting your podcast, you know, the first episode. And then at that point, the idea of inviting your your wife to retire to join you on, uh, you know, creating um, in your path would have been it would would have been the furthest thing from your mind. And to see where you are now is so inspiring and that it took that first step. It took that leap and not only obviously that leap and first step, but that tenacity to stick with it. You have to go from, you know, hundred followers to 135,000 followers. Uh, and I want to take a moment to, to really just drop that. Uh, that first step is huge, and the work that you've done has turned into something so much more than I think y- you imagined at the time, a year, a year and a half ago. So this is me saying congrats, Clint. We all see you, appreciate you, and are inspired by you. That's all I got at the moment. Uh, I'm getting emotional because I'm remembering you know, how many conversations you and I had at various steps along the journey for, for those who may have listened to the podcast or not. Uh, episode one, mindfulness and creativity with Peter Beresford. So Peter was the very first person to step into my home office and uh, share a microphone with me and give me the time and talk to me and start me on this. And then somewhere in the journey, the two of us talked and I said, hey, I, I think there, I think there's a future here. I think this is what it could look like. And here's what I can achieve at various milestones if I do it. And, you know, I think I thought it would take a lot longer and it would be a much harder journey. And so to be able to sort of see the steps happening, you're absolutely right, Peter. It's never saw it coming, never thought it would be this quick or the future would be what it is, but very excited to see where it goes. Over to you, Laura. Yeah, Clint, question about that. So I already mentioned seven habits. You know, Stephen Covey talks about beginning with the end in mind and things like that. But what do you do when it becomes clear that the end is maybe better than you originally thought? Modify the plans. So the, so the, end, the end will come faster and the end will be bigger. And, and so that's the realization, Lauren, is that oh, I'm going to go a different direction. Traffic's loud that way. The, the, the end will be quicker. So I have a, a revised timeline. And what I'll be doing has evolved because the, the scale that I can achieve with, with Leslie joining me, the scale that we'll be able to achieve in the, the mission has completely expanded. The other thing is the more time you spend pursuing what we're doing and what we're talking about and the more time you spend talking to other people who are already on the journey, the more you realize what opportunities are actually available. And so I I think conceptually, when I created this plan, it was 2018, 2019, 2020. And I didn't know what avenues were available to you as a solopreneur. And so the more time, or as a content entrepreneur, so the more books we've read, 
the more conversations I've had. I think, Peter, you'll remember after I had the conversation on the pod with uh, Joe Polizzi, uh, Content Inc., I, I messaged you and said, mind is blown. Uh, what I learned in this conversation is amazing. And so every time I've had one of those conversations, even with Tom hearing what he's doing, seeing his activity in retirement, the more you do that, the more you just evolve the plans, Lauren. And like we talk about with Stephen Timoney, is you have a bit of that North Star, but as you get closer to the North Star and you exceed your expectations, you evolve the North Star. So it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit further away, and you just keep marginally towards it and, and keep expanding your dreams. I'm going to pass it back to you on that note. Yeah, that's awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. And that is something that's really interesting about this. When I started Adulting It's Easy, it was just going to be a blog. And then my husband encouraged me to make it a podcast. And I never really expected it to kind of the Twitter to grow as much as it has. And then to make all these connections and to be going to FinCon in a few weeks and all of that. So it's really cool. And I am super grateful to have uh, Tom blazing a trail in front of me. has been really helpful. Hey, Marianne. I invited uh, Marianne to speak, so I kind of put her on the spot, but I, I just want to share this story. Um, Marianne, whenever she she used to host a space with uh, Mary, Get Money Smarter, it was one of my favorite spaces to join because Marianne is one of those that just goes above and beyond to help. And um, I'm going to say it, it was a few months back, but I posted about an a offer I wrote on a property in Dallas and I didn't know Marianne, but she's just like, man, if, if that's the case, she shot me a DM and she's like, what's the listing? And, and she, you know, looked up who the realtor was and told me who to contact and what to do. And I, I love that she has that willingness to help on anything. And whenever I was in a space with her and Mary, she was always like, let me look into that or let me do this. And, and so not too long ago, maybe a month or two, Marianne's like, I want to sell some stuff on eBay. And right away, I'm like, let's do a Zoom and let's talk about eBay sales because I could talk about So I love um, Marianne's willingness. So I know I'm putting you on the spot by throwing you the uh, mic, Marianne, but um, I really do appreciate you um, joining us this evening and, and always helping us. So uh, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for your kind words. You're very sweet. Um, I'm doing great. I, I I totally appreciate you guys. And it's really fun for me to be in this space. I'm not normally available Wednesday night, but I am in New York City. Um, just got done with a big real estate conference here. And so I thought we just got back to the hotel and I thought, oh my gosh, I have time to actually go into your space. I'm so excited because I've been kind of out of pocket for a little bit this week and uh it's always good to, to listen to you guys speak you guys always have amazing amazing conversations and such a, a wealth of knowledge it's really honestly enjoyable and uh, appreciate you guys so much and yes i have taken all of your ebay knowledge and wisdom to my heart and i will uh actually have a couple things i you know i used to sell a thousand years ago and stopped and you gave me some really good advice so i have some things i actually now create an ebay shelf that i'm going to start <laughs> selling some things i won't i won't go to the level that you did obviously but um but it's it's going to be fun for me to revisit that and and it's always good to be here with uh, lauren and everyone else it's it's just a pleasure thank you so much 
Thank you for, for jumping up here, Marianne. I, I truly appreciate it. And if you have any sort of realtor-related question, Marianne has like a crazy amount of knowledge, even though she's not in your specific state, or maybe you are in Washington. Um, so Marianne is a, a great person to connect with and a great follow. And I always enjoy her, her post and her content and her encouragement. So thank you, Marianne. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And I, I look forward to, um, I'm going to put it on my calendar for next time so I can actually join again. You guys are great. So guys, any success questions, any success stories, any mindset questions? Um, certainly that's kind of Clint's forte, but if you have real estate questions too, uh, I can probably help with short-term rentals or Tom can help with long-term rentals or setting up a short-term rental. How is that going, by the way, Tom? How far along are you? So I was supposed to have guests today and they messaged and they are going in tomorrow. So I would say I'm 80% of the way there and they know that. Um, and uh, my lockbox was messed up when I was in Ohio. So I had to have it shipped to Dallas. I had to have my phone next to it to set up the Wi-Fi correctly. So the key is in transit still. I did priority. It was supposed to deliver today. It won't deliver till tomorrow. So I have my, my property manager is meeting my, my um, first short-term rental um, guest tomorrow. And um, I think all my, I, I made a really good punch list. Well, I was there of work that I'm going to complete. This goes up onto Airbnb. So this is kind of my trial run. They are um, paying a discounted rate and are friends of mine. So this is the trial to get it ready. And um, I have work happening next month and it should be up in October. Nice. That's awesome. And I think that's ideal too, to have somebody in there. We did the same thing with our friend in Nashville. He was kind of like 80% done and we just stayed in like the bedroom that was done, you know, um, kind of gave him some feedback. And obviously we got a really cheap, actually, I think it was free place to stay in Nashville for a couple days. So that was pretty fun. Um, and I, I stayed in it last week and I slept like I haven't slept in years. So I'm excited because I stayed in the one that I was originally setting up and I struggled to sleep because there was lots of street noise. And this is just a, a totally different neighborhood, a, a totally quiet corner lot. And um, I'm excited to have it in my port. This is like a goal that I had been working on for 20 years to own on the street. When I was in college, I would drive out a street and, and I'm like, one day I'm going to own one on that street. So I, uh, when I did my walks last week in Ohio, it was awesome being able to, um, actually walk up and down the street and know that I own one on the street now. That's, that's cool. How did you, so this is interesting too. So I, we were just talking to Clint a little bit about having a goal and then kind of exceeding it and then having to change, change what your plan was, but you kind of had to pivot with this short-term rental. And how did you know that that was something you had to do? Cause I stayed in it three times over the past three months and I did not want to put my first short-term rental up and get bad reviews. Um, the concerns that I had would be that anyone else who stayed in an Airbnb would have very loud neighbors, a noisy street. It is a great location cause it's on the water, but a lot of people cannot look beyond that. If you can't sleep properly, you know, and enjoy the space, then it's just not going to be a place 
that that you want to have. So I just when this deal went through and I purchased this house I'm, last month in July, I just said, you know what, I'm going to pull the plug on this one. And that's actually the one that we did showings on tonight. And I have 11 long-term applications on it right now. So that short-term rental that I turned into back into a long-term rental will hopefully be rented by September 1st to October 1st um, and generating income. And I feel much more comfortable with a long-term tenant in there who understands the area than someone who's just traveling and, you know, it is centrally located. You can get into downtown in five minutes. You can get to the zoo in two minutes, but it comes with noise and it comes with its own issues. So, so I just didn't feel good doing that. And, and when that other one closed, I said, you know what, I'm going to shift everything I've, I've spent money on over here and I'm going to make this one work because it's a different neighborhood. I love that. that. That's really good. And that's the thing, like, sometimes I think people get really wrapped around goals and setting expectations and not being able to kind of pivot, knowing things are working and need to expand their goals or knowing when they need to kind of change directions. And I think that's a really good example, Tom, of doing kind of what made the most sense at the time, for sure. Clint, do you have anything to add? Anybody have any questions? Yes, uh, I'm Divine. I have a question Hi. for the uh, frugal gay. And anybody else who has uh, real estate, um, I currently have like 50K and like credit card debt. And it's, it's going to take me probably about 40, I'm mean, about four or five years to knock it out. Asking, did, uh, I know the frugal guy said at 21, he had like 15,000. And by 30, by 31, he was like a, a millionaire or whatever. Like, so the, my, my question is, did you start uh, doing real estate before you uh, knocked out your credit card debt and you used the uh, rental money to pay off your debt or how did that happen? So at 21, I actually didn't have debt. And then I quit my job. I had this little blip in between gap and working at the theater and I worked at target and that's where thing went awry because I quit without notice there. I was not happy there. I love shopping at target. I'm still a huge target fan, but working there was not ideal for me. And that's when the credit card debt accrued. So I actually bought door one, two, when I was 21, I bought door, um, number three, which was a huge money pit for me when I was 22. And then when I was working at the gap, or I'm sorry, when I was working at Target, that's when the credit card debt went crazy. And um, I, I got up to 17000 and I knew if I was going to try and get door number four, I had to eliminate that because I did an inquiry, and they're like, we're not going to give you any more money till you get under control. So it took me a year um, to, to knock out my 17000 because I worked at Ross. Um, I worked after my full-time job. Um, there weren't side like uh, Uber and all that at this time. This was maybe 2007, 2008. And um, every single paycheck, I, I owed Citibank all this money. I had done a balance for, and um, that's, I, I would cash my check at Ross and I would drive across the street. There was a Citibank, actual bank over there. And whatever I earned those two weeks, I would just hand to them and at first it felt like nothing because of the interest, but then finally, you know, I had a few weeks where I'd work three days at Ross and, and I was able to, to knock it out within a year. Um, and it just, it was not fun, but it was what I had to do. And that's, you know, I did do 
bills at the time, but the majority was from working that second job and just being super focused. Because when you work at a department store, you want to spend money on everything that you see coming in and out and out. Um, and I just kept my eye on the prize, which is I didn't really care about the the cologne and the watches coming into Ross. I wanted to buy that next property in Dallas because I was paying $675 in rent at the, and that was a ton of money for me. Um, and I just didn't want to pay rent. And that's always been my, my motive behind all of my real estate. Like when I bought door one and two, I didn't want to pay rent. I was able to live upstairs for $138 because the downstairs tenant paid me $600 and my mortgage was $738. So I've always been in this, I don't want to pay rent. How can I make this work? And yes, it sucked. And I had to pay $675 in rent for, I think I stayed there for 18 months total. Um, but I knocked out the debt and I got door number four and I really started making money at door number five because once I got that door number four, it was just kind of every year I committed to buying a property, how I was going to fund it, how I was going to fix it, and and what I could earn from from renting it out. Okay, thank thank you, perfect. So yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm, I'm working towards for like the next four years, just just crushing it. So I was just trying to see would be wise to you know start getting it now, but I probably won't, and just go ahead and just put everything towards towards the debt. Then, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm going to add to that one for you because generally, one of the things you want to focus on is when you have credit card debt, the rate that you're paying on that usually, you know, from what I recall, you're looking at 19, 20 percent, and so there's there's almost no investment that I think Lauren, Tom, or I would suggest to you that's going to earn that high of a return that your number one priority isn't paying off the credit card debt. So I think all three of us would say pay off anything that has an interest rate over seven or eight percent. And then once you're once you're free of interest at that level, then you can start looking at, okay, now I'm going to focus my prioritization on investing. But until you get rid of high interest debt, that generally has to be your number one priority because you can't out earn that expense. And so if you're if you're earning, you know, when you're under underwrite real estate, you're probably underwriting about a five or a six percent return. And if you get more than that, life's great. But if you're underwriting a five or a six percent return, but you're paying twenty percent in credit card debt, and you're just destroying yourself, you're putting yourself further and further other underwater. So I think you've nailed it. Crush the debt, get it out of your way, and then start investing. That, I think that's the right path. Awesome. Um, thank, thank you all so much. <laughs> hello, 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 guys. Uh, this is David. I have a question uh, regarding more of a lender. Uh, for somebody like me who is about to start um, for the short re- short-term rental, are there any lenders? Um, like, who should I go to? Uh, community banks or big banks or private lenders or? How, what 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 should be the starting point? I'm curious about. That's a good question. Yeah, that and those are hard to find. Um, I would try community banks, and what you're going to want is probably a DSCR loan, which is a debt service coverage ratio loan. Um, I don't know, Marianne, Tom, Clint, if you guys have any more experience in that realm of people lending on STRs. 
Well, I'm a big fan in, in all situations here, Lauren, of, of leaning on the experts. So I would tend in this situation to always recommend that you work with a mortgage broker. One of the one of the greatest benefits of working with a mortgage broker is is more often than not, you don't pay their fees. The fees for the mortgage broker are paid by the banks who are competing for your deal. And so establishing a relationship with a good mortgage broker who can go outsource the best loan for you in all situations, because it may be STR on this one, it may be LTR on the next one, it may be principal residence on the next one. So establishing that relationship, A, they get to know you personally, they value your business. Uh, when when they it could be that if they know you're looking for more STRs and they have clients that are selling, they say, hey, I know a person who's buying and you may want to talk to them. So I would establish a relationship with a really strong mortgage in your area and then lean on them to get you the best deal that they can. Generally, they'll bring forward two to three options and then you can vet them based on the quantitative and qualitative factors that get brought forward to you. Um, other question is, um, do, should, you know, should I keep all the, you know, the going forward, the rental properties under my own name, or should I keep each separate under the different entity? How, how should be the starting point or going forward for that matter? Uh, what country are you in? Oh, um, I'm in U.S. is that? If that's okay. your yeah, yeah. But, well, it well, well, it matters, and, and why it matters up here in Canada, you were a lot less litigious than you are down there, and and so there's a lot less likelihood of being sued, and so I think in general, I'm going to let Tom and Lauren weigh in on the U.S. But most people up here and can start to put our properties into corporations until we sort of get over five to six properties. And then it's really becoming a business and we're worried that we might get get uh, litigation at that point. But in the U.S., my understanding is you may want to do it much sooner than we do up here. So I'll pass it back to Lord and Tom. Hey. I need some. I'll go ahead and answer that one. Um, I've started properties in my name and then I've transferred them over into my LLC. Um, so from starting out from a lendability, they needed my credit. Um, but now that my LLC has established credit and established payment, I can buy them into the LLC. So as you're shopping for your loan, you're going to have to find out how lendable you are or if it's better to start into an LLC. But from a lending standpoint, a lending standpoint, um, I, I've started, you know, about the first property, I got a great interest rate um, and I lived in the upstairs and uh, rented out the downstairs and house hacked. And um, I started that in my name and now it's in, in my LLC, but you don't have to start it in an LLC, but you can. So I would definitely talk to a mortgage broker or an accountant for that sort of uh, guidance. Yeah, and what I've done with like the first couple is umbrella policy and keep them in my name because the mortgages are in my name. Um, Marianne, do you have a take on that? Yeah. So, um, t 
if you don't mind answering the first question, I actually, as a realtor, I've been a realtor for a broker for 20, 27 years. And for me, it's always good to recommend. I have usually a trio, like a three pack referral group. So I have relationships that have been you know, going back many, many years. So I always refer a mortgage broker. I refer a banker and I refer a credit union um, agent who can the best way for you. And for me, having those three different options, yes, the mortgage broker can go really deep and have lots of options in different avenues. But sometimes banks have really, really weird specials that I'm always surprised. Like, like, oh, well, you know, half off this, or we'll give you a buy down your rate, or they always have some weird, like, oh, free appraisal. And then credit unions, typically their interest rates seem to be a little bit less and they have less fees overall. Um, and so I do recommend that you, I always tell people, you know, tell them the same thing. So if it's a $300,000 property, say 300,000, you know, 10% down or 20% down, whatever at, at par. So you, you literally, and you always talk to them the same day. So literally you can compare apples to apples. And I always say, if they can't give you a good faith estimate at that day, then don't go with them. Like you need to get it in writing immediately on the same day. So you can compare. Now their rates may change the next day and one day they might be better, but overall having that rapport and you really need to see who can get back to you. you know, everyone has, everyone's busy and obviously you have to give them some grace, but if you can have that relationship and you have that rapport, you're, you're going to, you're going to want to work with just from that personality standpoint. But if they, if one seems to rise to the occasion, then that would probably be the one I would recommend. And sometimes there's different properties. Maybe there's someone who can do a better loan on a fiveplex and then, you know, they do better on single family. So, really, you know, look at all options. Um, on, and on the other thing, you know, I have bought, you know, properties in my own name. Right now, we are pretty much establishing because we own so many doors that we, um, every new, new buy or we develop, we do it in a new LLC. So we have, you know, my husband has like over 90 doors. I, I personally have, you know, over 25 doors myself. So there's, you know, we we need to make sure that we're um, pretty um, insulated, and that's really important that you look at where your strategy is. You know, buy it in your name, but if you can convert it to LLC, and it's just easier for you. And then when you do sign your documents, just make sure that you like. So we have a parent, the, the the other companies underneath us. Make sure you sign. If you're the manager, make sure you sign every single contract that you ever sign, every single document you ever sign. You have to sign your title. So if you're the president, if you're the manager, because then it's it's a legal entity, it's a legal binding contract. People get into trouble when they don't sign their title. So you really need to speak to a business attorney, someone who can help you and guide you. We have a contract attorney that, re that you know, if we ever have a problem, we go with him. I have a real estate attorney that does separate. So when you, when you close your transactions, you want to have either, depending on your um, state, like we can sign and close with an LPO, but you never want to have your personal attorney ever sign on anything on your behalf because they can't represent you. So you want to make sure you have a specific closing attorney or LPO, limited practice officer that you like to close with. And then you have your own personal contract real estate attorney who can deal with your contracts and deal with your LLC. So it's really important that if you want to do this, you know, as a full-time thing, or even a part-time thing really have to have people around you with all their knowledge and expertise because the best person in the room maybe not be you <laughs> you just surround yourself with all the best people and they can help you get to where you want to go thank you marianne i really appreciate it and uh, thanks uh clint as well
Can I ask one more question? Yeah, fire away. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the deals, right? And then uh, what would be a good buy, a, a good deal? Um, if, like, I see a deal with a 30-year mortgage, the, the rent pays itself, but it doesn't leave me anything. I I'm hesitant to buy that, right? What would be considered a good deal, um, so that you know I can look at it and say, hey, uh, it's a it's a good short term or long term rental, and I'm good with that. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a it's a whole episode itself because what's a good deal in one city isn't a good deal in another. If, if you're looking at a deal in Ohio, which is one of the places Tom buys, and it doesn't cash flow, it's a horrible deal. If you're looking at a deal where I live, and it's break even in cash flow, it's an amazing deal. And so what, you're, what, you, what you have to understand is you can't look at one single facet. You have to look at three things. You have to look at what is my cash flow, what is the annual principal pay down, and what is the capital appreciation that I expect back on the property. And based on all three of those things, you, you determine whether it's a good deal. And so, and so it's not never just one thing. So don't look in isolation, but look at the full scope of the real estate understand all three of those things and then determine what your benchmarks are for understanding whether it's whether it's good return or not so that's going to differ for each of us tom more your thoughts my thoughts are i i see david you're in dallas also and i pivoted back to ohio when i couldn't make things cash flow anymore i am starting to see some deals where they're break even and it might make sense in dallas but they're not cash flow plus so um you're going to get the appreciation in dallas and that's why i continue to look in dallas and buy in dallas and i have seven properties uh that i rent out in dallas so you know i i bought a property for pretty first that would now sell for um two hundred eighty thousand in dallas and yes i put a ton of money and work into it and it is a cash flow positive house um so I look at both markets and in Ohio, that's why Clint said, if it doesn't cash flow in Ohio, it's a bad deal because I don't have that appreciation there. So you really have to look at it from two sides. Do you want the cash flow or do you want the appreciation? Um, Cause you get a lot more appreciation in the Dallas market. Lauren, you want to go real quick? Um, yeah, I just posted up in the net that I've created and these do sort of assume that you're you, you should have some allowance for vacancy, some allowance for maintenance, perhaps property management, things like that before it's considered break even. But they should be helpful for anybody who's interested in kind of getting a general idea of how to analyze rental properties. There's one on LTRs and one on STRs. Um, so those those might be helpful as well. I just wanted to pop those up there. Um, Lawrence, you had your hand up. Um, just say, um, yeah, it, 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 it just depends on your market. So, um, I'm about 45 minutes outside of Austin. So everyone knows that Austin is 
more of an appreciation um, market, and it's great for short-term rentals. Shout out, shout out to uh, Bryce, who's in the room. He's great with short-term rentals. He's in the Austin area, but I'm about 45 minutes outside. I'm more of close to like the Fort Hood, Cypress Killeen area, and that market is a cash flow because of the military and um, because the military base has a shortage on housing. Um, the, the, the actual military is trying to work with smaller landlords like, like myself to be able to have a rotation of soldiers um, and their family get housing and, and not have to go through a lot of um, bureaucracy that you'll get with bigger property management companies. So I would say I commend you for being in this space and, and, and becoming knowledgeable about it. So, you know it just depends on what market you're gonna buy in so for me right now um as much as i would love to have a property in austin um i i i'm just not buying for cash flow right now so it's, it's definitely a personal choice and and once you figure out you know your numbers and in, in, in the rules that you want and you you know do your research you'll definitely um, be able to, to make the best decision for, for you in your portfolio. Thank you. Absolutely. And oh, we had somebody else. Okay. What about BB? Hello, BB. Hi, thanks so much for uh, taking these questions. This is super insightful. Uh, I had a question around just kind of like baseline amenities that you think short-term rentals uh, need to have. So I know it's going to vary based on like the market, the type of area that you're looking to invest in. But things like, I don't know, parking or things like earlier someone mentioned, like you don't want it to be in a super loud area because you want the renters to have good sleep. Like... Just wanted to get some sense in, into that because I know you guys have a ton of experience in this space. Yeah, so some of that depends, obviously, like you said, on what the area is like. So let's say you're in an area and it's like a rural community and it's very quiet and there are easy substitutes for S for an S There's easy substitutes where it's very quiet. Right. I wouldn't want the one on the main road in that case. If you're in Chicago, if you're in San Francisco, you're going to have street noise. Right. Believe me, I was just in San Francisco. OK, you're going to have street noise. You're going to have people. There's maybe people living on the sidewalk. Right. You're going to have these things going on in the, in, in the different areas. So it kind of depends. So what Tom was talking about is one that he has in Toledo. There was kind of like particular to that property, some street noise and some loud neighbors. And he was able to just get another one kind of in a different area. So if those two, let's say they were owned by different people and those two were listed on Airbnb or VRBO or what have you, the other one, the new one that he has that's quiet would get a lot better reviews than the other one would tank right away. Right. But in San Francisco, you may not get negative reviews because everybody kind of understands that that's, that's kind of how things are. Um, even to the linens, right? I've heard of some places like on the coast, on the East Coast, that don't they don't even supply linens to their guests. I guess it's like very normal for guests to bring their own linens, which is mind-boggling to me, right? But so, so you just kind of have to go on the area, right? If you have a kitchen, uh, you should stock it, right? You should have kind of everything you bear, you know, baseline that you need. You should have everything for baking and cooking. Also, if you can legally provide spices, olive oil, things like that. I also, Tom makes fun of me, but I, we also provide like Ziplocs, foil, 
you, you know, things like that. So people can store things, Tupperware, things like that um, as well. Obviously, you've got paper towels, toilet paper, things like that. Um, also, some places are going to provide soaps, shampoos, and some places aren't, kind of like hotels do. So it really depends. I would pay a lot of attention to pictures and amenities of listings in the area and go with that and then kind of make an informed decision about whether you want to go above, above and beyond. Uh, as far as like outside amenities, some people swear by offering grills. I haven't figured out how to, barbecues, some people call them. I haven't figured out how to do that in terms of it being clean, guaranteeing they have propane or charcoal. I, I just haven't wanted to add that to my cleaners list. We do allow people to bring them, for example, um, fire pits, air pits, but we don't provide f uh, firewood. So that would be something that people have to get. So you kind of just have to decide a little bit what's true for the area, but also what's true for your price point. If you're going to be kind of a high-end place, then you may want to go with Giant Jenga and out, Big Outside Connect 4 and a putting green and other things like that as well. So that's kind of a long-winded answer. But I guess in short, look at what's available in the area and then kind of decide whether you want to be just on par or a little bit better than the others. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. Yeah. So it essentially is just kind of running the due diligence and running comps in the in the area that you're specifically looking into. Great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, check out my Gumroad. There's a bunch of free stuff as well. If you want to like download supply checklists, cleaning checklists, all those kinds of things are helpful when you're starting starting an STR. Great. Thank you so much. Well, if we don't have any more questions or anything else we want to share, should we wrap up for the night, guys? Yeah, we can wrap up early. We have 15 minutes left. If anyone has any questions or wants to understand uh, anything about financial health, then feel free to ask. Otherwise, in we're going to do a, a countdown. We'll all start doing a wrap-up. Looks like we may have a request for someone to come up. Uh, may not. Uh, but... Thank you, everyone, for coming. I think some of the ideas we talked about tonight were consistency, working hard, showing up, uh, owning your life, uh, abundance mindset. Tom, Tom talked about being willing to do the work that you ask others to do. Lauren also forgives herself uh, mistakes or gives herself grace she plans for the week ahead on a Thursday night, and in her plan, she has to be done by Thursday so that she can use Friday or the weekend if she needs to. And Lauren, what did I miss in the summary that we talked about? A lot about abundance mindset tonight and knowing that if you are consistent and consistent is you keep showing up every day, you do good, you bring value, good and valuable things will come back to you. On that note, guys, let's wrap it up. We'll wrap it up a little early tonight. Thank you guys so much for coming. We will be around next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern on Wealth Wednesday, live on Twitter Spaces. Thanks again for joining, everybody. Thanks for your questions. DMs are open. Make sure you follow everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night.